Good morning, Springbrook. Uh, I love the energy. Uh, I want to thank you for making this worship gathering a priority in your life. Because not only does it impact you, but it impacts the people around you. There's something mysterious that happens the more people you gather together. And uh, so thank you for being here. Now, if you weren't here last week, uh, I want to tell you about something great that happened in my life three weeks ago. I was diagnosed with sleep apnea back in, I don't know, 2005 or whatever. And I got a CPAP, you know, put the mask on. And I would never keep that mask on. I would continue unconsciously to rip it off my head right? every day or every night, that is. Uh, so the doctor said, you need to go to a sleep dentist. That's an odd term, <laughs> sleep dentist. And what they did is they put together for me uh, what you see here. Uh, it's basically a dental oral appliance, and it keeps your jaw out. So that the air can pass freely and you get some sleep. And, you know, when I was looking at the Internet, and I did not see one metal one like I have. Not one. They're all plastic. So I got I to gotta call them. Well, what's the deal with me, okay? You know? <laughs> but uh, I tell you what, ever since then, God has blessed me with energy. <laughs> A lot of energy. Because I'm finally sleeping in the past you went past, oh, Pastor Dan, he's really tired. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I wasn't sleeping. <laughs> and uh, so I am just so thankful for that. A lot of things uh, kind of get me going in this direction. Uh, you know, I, I want to lose weight because uh, the big day is coming, May 13th. My second son, two years in a row, not himself two years in a row, but uh, Brian, uh, what a... Wonderful son, and he'll be here at the 11 o'clock service. And so Brian, uh, Brian, where was I? <laughs> All right. So we have the, so I, I have this energy. And what motivates me to uh, become more fit, well, there's a lot of motivations, but heart disease, the number one cause of death in the U.S., claims more lives than from all forms of cancer. If we eat healthy and exercise, we can reduce the risk. The bottom line is how you take care of your heart is going to impact your life. And I'm a yo-yo dieter, so I'm going to break that yo-yo this time. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I lost 15 last year, gained 20 this year. You know how it goes, right? I mean, the holiday season just blows you away. <laughs> but I had that motivation uh, to fit into my tux and to be able uh, to live a long life uh, loving Jesus. I also joined a gym, Fitness 19. Now, Melissa, are you there, Melissa, somewhere? Melissa Erickson, I saw her there. Anybody a member of this Fitness 19? All right. Well, hey, we should all have a, a group together, a fitness, fitness event. <laughs> I mean, it's the coolest place to be. There's no doubt about it. In fact, I was a charter member 
a fitness 19 back in 2005. Did you hear I said charter member? That makes me special. So my boys and I would go over to the gym and they would do the weights. I would do the treadmill and uh, they continued on and I became more irregular. Sometimes I was, sometimes I wasn't. And near the end, no. In fact, I canceled my membership last July. I canceled. I was paying Fitness 19. I was paying for all the other people that go there regularly. I was paying to uh, take care of their equipment, but I wasn't using it. All right? How many of the gym membership they're not using at this present time? Oh, yeah. It's very common. We're the ones who support everybody who wants to get fed. Right? <laughs> That's the way it works. They depend on us not to go. So, but it was fun. I went in there, talked to a guy, told him I was a charter member, and uh, <laughs> he gave me a great deal. And so, I am looking forward to going to Fitness 19. I never really looked forward to going running because I was so tired all the time. Oh, you get this great burst of energy when you exercise. And, man, I'd walk out there going, I'm, I want to go back to bed. <laughs> in fact... I've got a meeting with a personal trainer this Tuesday at 7 a.m. And I don't know if they do this for everybody. Maybe it's just for charter members. I don't know. But it's special. It's special. When we talk about heart health, we need to talk about spiritual heart health, the seat of our emotions and uh, spiritual desire, our soul. We need to guard our soul. Again, we're moving through the book of Haggai. So let me give a brief update for those who haven't been here. I encourage you to listen to the whole series online. What happened was the Israelites came back from captivity and they were told to build the temple. So they worked on it for about a year and then they stopped. So just the foundation was like, why would they stop? Well, it was because of the Samaritans in the area. Remember, they gave Nehemiah a hard time because they didn't want to see Jerusalem rebuilt because Jerusalem had been a key place for trade routes. They all go through Jerusalem. So they didn't want that. They didn't want to lose uh, the business. So they just stopped. They were frozen in fear. And so 16 years later, 16 years later, Haggai comes to them. And has some messages for them from God. The first message is, hey, great paneled houses, huh? Upscale houses. Love your house. But what about my house? God says. Why aren't you working on my house? Here I am your God. I'm your creator. And you're not building my house. All right? So, uh, what happened was, is they got to work. And they worked for one month. One month. What happened? Let's talk about last week. Uh, they were discouraged. You know, you got the old timers saying, oh, the Temple of Solomon. Wow, that was something else. And they continue to describe it while they're building this uh, smaller uh, temple. Right? And it was a lot of hard work. They weren't used to working probably that hard. And they just kind of gave up. And so 
Haggai came back and encouraged them. He said, God is with you. God will give you strength to do this job. All right. Haggai, very specific about the dates. You know, we know this happened on the first time, August 20th, 520, 2,500 years ago. And every time he gives a date, <laughs> a month later, uh, today we'll see uh, a date three months later. So they've been working three months on this thing. They've been encouraged by Haggai. But now this really is a key to the whole book, what we'll study today. Now, we have uh, looked at different aspects of the book. Today we're talking about the blessing of obedience. Haggai 2, 10 through 11. On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, that's December 18th, if anybody was curious about that, <laughs> he wrote it down. Uh, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priests about the law. What? It's interesting, in each of these events, God asks questions. You know, questions are the most powerful way that you can get to know someone and connect with them. It's also a powerful way of coaching them. You don't tell them what to do. You just draw out the questions, and, and they hopefully will figure it out on themselves. Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priest. He's going to bring the priest in, right? So it says, if someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priest answered and said, no. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, how many are part of our reading plan this year? Yeah, go to the website. Again, you don't have to. You can skip days, really. Uh, we just want you to be in the Word as a part of our discipleship pathway. We're just encouraging everybody to spend 15 minutes with God at least like five days a week. And it really has helped me because I know I have to read the Bible today. I miss my quiet times as well. Uh, but I know I've got to get that read. So it's really a good anchor because you're, you have a project going on in your quiet time. And that's when you listen to God. And that's when God works in a special way. Now, you, you come to this passage in the reading plan, and you say, what in the world are they talking about? That, that makes no sense whatsoever. Mark Twain said, it ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It is the parts that I do understand. <laughs> Isn't that true? You're always trying to figure out these other texts. If we just acted on the knowledge we have, we'd be doing real well. But the problem is, it's very difficult to obey God, as we talked about last week. So you've got this particular passage, and you just kind of skip over it. And, uh, and again, it's okay to skip over passages in the Bible that you don't understand. Why? Well, because there's a lot of stuff you do understand. Now, if you want to do further study on it, that's great. So... Uh, if someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment 
and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priest answered and said, no. Now, everybody knew the answer to this question. They were well trained in the law as kids. So, so the question is, okay, I've got a piece of holy meat in my pocket. Uh, probably a priest, I assume. And what if bread or stew or wine or any other oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? So if I pick up you know, a piece of bread and hold this, hold like this, I guess. The question is, right, you're holy, but the bread is not holy. So we have to understand that. Uh, when we understand the Old Testament law is that it's all about God's law. What God wants you to do to be perfect. And of course, they couldn't be perfect, right? But that's the intent of the law, to show you your sin. Right? So holy touches unholy. Right? So we have the holy piece of meat, and then we have the unholy uh, piece of bread. The unholy object remains unholy. So does the bread become holy because it touches the meat? No. And this is very important to understand that he was building up to this argument against the people. And the fact is that you're holy or you're unholy back in that day. Now, we're, we have the standard of holiness. Uh, we've been given holiness by God, and we still struggle with sin. But God sees us as holy. That's why we can have a relationship with him. But we still struggle with sin. But back in that day, uh, they had a lot of laws in how you stayed clean. Clean. In fact, 100 times in the book of Leviticus, it said clean or unclean, holy or unholy. So you would have certain things that you wouldn't want to touch. For example, a dead body. If you touched a dead body, you would become unclean. And then there was a whole ritual that you had to go through to become clean again. But while you were unclean, you couldn't go to the temple and worship. Pregnant women, remember Mary, 40 days after Jesus uh, was born, she went to the temple because that was a purification process. Because she was unclean. So sometimes it's not, not a bad thing, right? Uh, but again, the Lord shows how holy he is. Uh, through these different laws, how he wants life to be lived, and it proves how we cannot live that type of life. Uh, for example, lepers, when they would walk through the town, they had to say, unclean, 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 because people, if they touched them, would become unclean. Obviously, they didn't want leprosy, but they were told to do that. What a... Difficult existence, huh? Yeah, so it's clean or unclean. I go to the next one. Then Haggai said, if someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? That's what we just talked about. So if you touch a dead body, you're going to become unclean. The priest answered and said, it does become unclean. 
So if you touch the dead body, you're going to have to wait a period of time to get back to worship. And you have to go through some rituals in order uh, to get to that point. So the goal was to stay clean, right? Stay clean in front of the Lord. And it really illustrates how holiness doesn't, doesn't rub off as easily as unholiness or being unclean. You know, if you've got a holy piece of meat, it's going to be a holy piece of meat, right? But if you have something touch it, it's not going to make it holy. And the bottom line is, what God is trying to say is that uh, it's difficult to become holy in the way uh, that you live. It's difficult. And in fact, in that day, if you had sin in your life, rebellion, other sinful issues going on, what happened was, is that you uh, would be unclean, totally unclean, all right? Not just a part of you, not just your left arm, but totally unclean. And if you were, again, obeying the laws, you were totally clean. It was one or the other. You have to go one way or the other. And that's what Haggai is saying here. He's saying, okay, listen, let's say that um, you take a plate from the kitchen, Right? And the plate is clean. And then you put spaghetti and sauce on it. Is that plate clean? No. No. Because sin has touched it. Sin has come in contact with it. Or let's say you have one of your teenagers walking through the house with dirty shoes. In our house, it's always about poop <laughs> from the dogs. I mean... You've been there, right? <laughs> so, uh, sometimes I'm not as careful in the way I, you know, walk around, and so yeah, sometimes I get that on my shoe, and I walk across the carpet. So obviously, uh, what I stepped in is unclean. But I brought it into the house. I walked on the carpet, and then the carpet became un. Clean. You understand? So it's so much easier to become unclean. Here it is again. Holy touches unholy. The unholy object remains holy. The meat and the food. The unholy touches holy. The holy object becomes defiled. So, talking about the man... Uh, who touched a dead person. I know this is confusing, okay? But the bottom line is, he was saying, either you're clean or you're unclean. And if you want to pursue God, you're going to have to work out of being unclean. Haggai 2.14, Then Haggai answered and said, So it is with this people and with this nation before me, declares the Lord. And so with every work of their hands... And what they offer there is unclean. That's the whole point of the book. That these people, even though they've been in captivity, you'd think they'd get their act together when they got back to Jerusalem. But their hearts were not directed toward God. I mean, they were doing the job of building 
the temple. But, I mean, the guy gets out of bed. Oh, I wish I didn't have to go to work today. That's a stupid temple, but everybody else is doing it. I'd rather sit at home and watch my big screen TV and swim in my pool and uh, have some great food. You know, I'm, I want to satisfy myself. That, that's my goal. Uh, so a lot of them were like that. They really had no desire to build the temple. They did it. They were encouraged. But their hearts were not tuned in to God. Their hearts were not in tuned with God. Sin is contagious. Did you know that? There's nothing more contagious than sin. This is a person who's experienced influenza. Anybody had experienced that in the last year or so? Okay. Uh, sin, I mean, you get a headache, fever usually high, muscular extreme tiredness, joint aches, gastric vomiting, repository uh, coughing, uh, respiratory uh, Whatever that, <laughs> nasophrenics, runny or stuffy nose, sore throat, and aches. I mean, when you have the flu, you feel it all over. And friends, when you engage in sinful behavior, maybe because somebody else was tempting you to do something, or you're going along with a crowd, right? Well, then you get the sin flu. And it impacts your entire life. And there are certain strongholds that we have in our life, certain areas that are so difficult to obey God in. And we might have caught it from somebody else. I mean, when you sin, you impact people because other people are watching you. What comes out of your mouth influences your kids and your husband or wife. And you can lead people into sin by coming in contact with them. So the point is, is that sin is very contagious. Where holiness really isn't contagious. It needs to be chosen. It's our choice to be holy in the eyes of God in the way that we daily live. Proverbs 4.23, Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Friends, that is your soul. Not your physical heart, but that is your soul. That's where the Holy Spirit resides. That's where uh, you think deeply about your life and deeply about God. It expresses your values in your life. And that's the one thing we really need to be careful of. Because as we go throughout our day, again, we're going to be stained by sin. Stained by sin, like spaghetti sauce. <laughs> Close, you know. It's just contagious. It just stays there. And therefore, we must be very, very uh, careful about keeping our lives free from sin. So keep your heart with all diligence. That means you need to Watch, uh, or you need to think about what you're watching on TV or on the Internet or other things because sin is contagious and Satan wants to draw you into it. Now we're all sinners, right? <laughs> Saved by grace 
if you have become a Christ follower, if you have come to the point in your life and you say, nothing works. I need Jesus. I need what Jesus gave on the cross. How He paid the penalty for me. It's a free gift to me. I can't earn it. And so I take the gift just by praying to God and say, Oh, Lord, I, I, I'm so sorry. I repent for my sins and I believe in You and I want to live for You. And if you haven't made that decision, we're going to have elder prayer today. Come down and talk to one of our elders. They would love to lead you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the whole goal of our community. So you've got to keep your heart clean. For we all stumble in many ways. Amen? 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 Amen. Amen. We could keep going, but I'm not going to. <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. Uh, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. So what James is saying is that if you cannot sin with your mouth, lying, gossip, uh, you know, any of those type of things, uh, if you can control that, you're perfect. Which means what? We're going to have problems with what comes out of our mouths, right? Yeah. In fact, it says, uh, oh, one verse says uh, the fact that um, be careful around people who talk too much. You know why? Because they like to talk. And their more tendency toward gossip is strong because they talk so much and they need new material all the time. Right? <laughs> How many remember... The toilet paper shortage of 1973. Anybody remember that? Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, these are the gas lines. Remember that? We had all kinds of shortages in 1973. But these are the gas lines. People, I remember that. People lined up. But for some reason, this idea that there was a shortage in toilet paper. I mean, it happened in Japan, and then it got into the news. And then a U.S. congressman said, the U.S. may face a serious shortage of toilet paper within a few months. A toilet paper shortage is no laughing matter. It is a problem that will potentially touch every American. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no laughing matter is going to touch every American. And <laughs> it's not a strange thing to say. Uh, Johnny Carson, 1973, Jimmy Fallon has a Tonight Show now. And, of course, Johnny Carson uh, was one of the best. He says, you know, we've got all sorts of shortages these days, but have you heard the latest? I'm not kidding. I saw it in the paper. There's a shortage of toilet paper. Then it went viral. It took. A lot of effort, things go viral back in the day because they didn't have the Internet and all the media we have. Uh, but again, people started hoarding toilet paper. I mean, they were going to Walmart, wherever, and just buying all the toilet paper because they really feared there was a shortage of toilet paper. And that, that's just crazy. That's, that's fearful, right? 
I gotta have some toilet paper. In fact, it even got to the point, like people were having a bridal shower inviting people over to their house, and they would ask them to bring their own toilet paper. <laughs> it went on about four months until they finally realized this was just a humor. This was just a, a rumor that went out. And so the toilet paper uh, rumor spread like wildfire. A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. That's the verse I was talking about. Now, we need to be very careful in what we say because God commands us, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Have hmm. we got that posted in our house somewhere, or a picture, or anything like that? Well, I tell you what, <laughs> I would encourage you to do that. I don't know, make a refrigerator magnet out of it, because it's such a powerful principle from God. And so, definitely, if you have young children, you should talk about this verse a lot, you know. Have it all over the place. Because, again, that's our main problem. Let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths. And we so fall, we easily fall into that as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those here. So we are vehicles of God's grace through our spiritual gifts. Uh, we are spreading compassion to people. But what if we're gossiping about someone? Well, gossip is wrong. Gossip is a sin when you try uh, to uh, tell people uh, an untruth about somebody. Or maybe it's true. It doesn't matter. What's the point of them telling you? So if you run into a gossip, uh, here's some questions you can ask. Why are you telling me this? <laughs> that will kind of surprise them. <laughs> Am I part of the solution? Is that what you're telling me? Is I'm part of the solution? I can help out here? Will you talk to this person with whom you have an issue? Wow, that's Matthew 18. Right there, right? And you're saying, I could never do that. <laughs> I work in an office where gossip drives the business. You know, that's what people enjoy. You know, if I didn't gossip. And again, a lot of us are pulled into gossip and we become unholy. We become stained, right? And even if you're just listening, I'll be polite and I'll listen to the person. You are an accomplice in that gossip because that person has to speak to somebody. They can't speak to the wall. They need somebody to be a part of the gospel, gossip, gossip formula. <laughs> That's true. You know, other ideas would be uh, just to ignore them or change the subject. I think that's probably the best one. Anytime. Uh, people start to gossip, say, hey, just change the subject to something else. Cubs, socks, whatever you want to go to. And it will send them a message. I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this. Or you could maybe walk away at some point. Because you don't want to hang around gossipers. It's not healthy. That sin will be a stain on your life. So it's so important. I, I think it's well, whatever comes out of the mouth, lying and gossip. But when it comes to churches, when it comes to churches, um, wow, it's important that we do not gossip. In fact, sometimes pastors make that part of the church covenant. 
I will not gossip as a member. I think that's good, right? Because we're always tempted. And even in talking to our spouses, do we unintentionally, or intentionally that is, rip somebody apart uh, because of uh, what they've done to you or whatever? I mean, it's okay to process things, but to actually you know, say to your spouse, hey, this person, this person, you hate that person, and that type of thing, that's wrong. And that's probably one of the most difficult things to do, right, for some people, is not to gossip because it causes so much pain, it ruins reputations, and I'll tell you what, it splits churches. Every church that is split, it's because of gossip. Gossip. So I challenge you, I challenge myself uh, to be holy in that way. We go on. Now then, consider from this day onward, before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? When one came to a heap of twenty measures, there were but ten. When one came to the wine vat to draw fifty measures, there were but twenty. So they were working as hard as they could, but it was always about fifty percent. They never got the full yield. And here it is. God, I struck you and all the products of your toil with blight and with mildew and with hail. Yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. Are you in that position today? Are you running from God? And He loves you so much. He wants to be in fellowship with you. And you know, stop running. Repent. You're screwing your life up. Don't be doing that, right? Haggai 2, 18-19. Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Consider, remember we've seen that, that phrase before? Always consider. Consider your ways. Is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing. But from this day on, I will bless you. So it's come to a point, I don't know how it all worked out, but uh, it seemed that they uh, were ready to obey God. And God knew that, and he said, okay, all these shortages that you've had because I have uh, created them, I'm going to take away. I'm going to bless you in obedience. And it's great when we're blessed in obedience, but it's hard to obey. Maybe you can relate to this guy. So far today, God, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, overindulgent, coveted my neighbor's spouse, or even taking your name in vain. I'm very thankful for that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, everyone that I encounter will probably need a lot of help from you. <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? We need God's power and encouragement to obey. Now, this is our discipleship pathway. Uh, that we talk about and have a whole series on it in January. So we want to be, we want any ministry that we do, we want to put in one or two of these areas. So, for example, today I'm preaching a gross sermon. Preaching a gross sermon. How can you obey the Lord? Now, if I ever spoke on, let's say, spiritual gifts and ministry, it would be an equipped sermon. Or if I ever talked about discipleship, That would be a multiply sermon. Or connect, uh, that would be maybe an evangelism sermon. So everything fits in uh, to the pathway. Remember what God said, 
Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. This last week, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. Fear not, right? It's over and over in Scripture because he knows that we get fearful very easily. But fear not, for I'm with you. I'm with you. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the Lord, declares uh, the land, declares the Lord. I don't know. I love that verse. <laughs> right? Be strong. Not because of your own work and your own confidence. Because I'm working through you and your heart is going towards me. Because you, you never can stagnate, let's say, as a Christian. You're either going in one direction, you love and desire Jesus Christ, your goal is to glorify Him, or you're being selfish. <laughs> you're going through the motions, you know, coming to church, serving in church, and things of that nature, and you take those steps, and you are in the wrong direction. So what characterizes you? Are you growing, or are you not? I mean, yeah, we have a lot of sin we struggle with, but is your heart passion? Is your heart pure? Let's pray together. Dear Holy Father, I want to thank you for this time we've had of looking at the book of Haggai. Thank you that we can look at an Old Testament prophet and learn so much about how we can live today. How we can honor and worship you in Christ's name. Amen.